Welcome to the Love is Viral show. I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, the founder and CEO of Live Media and the creator of the Live Pocket Coach on the Apple App Store. Our premise at Live is simple. A healthier you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. Our guests include neuroscientists, therapists, professors, coaches, authors, yogis, speakers, entrepreneurs, and those who believe that a bigger, better life can be found at the intersection of mindfulness and science. Join me as we nerd out with a little bit of soul. The Love is Viral show is a live media production. Rocky Garza knows firsthand how difficult it can be to identify what makes us unique, having moved 10 times during childhood. Caught in insecurities and fears, looking outward, he was never able to see his real value or worth. That is until he took a step back and had a long, hard look at who he was, not just what he did. Over the past 15 years, Rocky has walked alongside thousands of individuals at Sky Ranch Summer Camp as director and counseled and supported hundreds while on the pastoral staff at Chase Oaks Church. Now, as a top keynote speaker and culture consultant, he has taken thousands through the identity mapping process. As a result, they have all been led to understand the most vivid picture of who they are and how they operate best as individuals. In this episode, we discuss the purpose of identity, the beauty of different perspectives, the pressure that society's definition of success has placed on men, causing them to abandon themselves, the importance of men creating space for one another to share their internal dialogue, and what we can do to support and empower our boys and men. Rocky leads a group called Wiser Sons for men to show up and be seen. Let's dig in. Hi, welcome back to the Love is Viral show. This is Jeanette Schneider, and I am here with Rocky Garza. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I um, So we have a mutual friend in Dr. Melanie Ross Mills, who I adore. She actually got me started in podcasting, and she, I know she had an interview with you on her own podcast and was like, you two should meet. So it's kind of funny how yeah. the world works. Yeah. It is. It is. And it was honestly the same thing between her and I. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was on her podcast and connected us and then her and I met, which is how I ended up on her show to begin with. So uh, yeah, I think it's a, the podcast making, and interview is this, a small world. You're making the universal rounds. <laughs> like, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like, Let's introduce you. I love that. Well, and you and I had a really great conversation because I think one of the things that we were first going to start talking about was um, the the purpose of identity and really understanding our why and who we are. But we started digging a little bit deeper because um, I saw that you have a group called Wiser Sons, and that was it. Immediately piqued my interest, and mm. and the reason why is because I feel, especially when you look at everything that's happened in the course of the past several years through the Me Too movement, there's been this conversation about the masculine and the feminine. And mm-hmm. I've seen even mothers struggle with, I'm a woman who understands the Me Too movement, but I don't like the dialogue and the conversations that are happening around boys and sons. And then we see aggressive acts or we see violence and there's this argument about boys will be boys and what does that mean? And I have this kind of thing in the back of my head where I'm like, how are we, how are we failing our boys? How, are we, how can we take notice that Me Too can be a movement or women can be empowered, but how do we also empower boys and men. And I know that's a big part of your work. So talk to me a little bit about that, because I know that there's, there's a wound there we've got to figure out. Yeah. 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 You know, so I think, um, really for me to, what really got it started, uh, was I think just one, my, my own life, my own experience. So, uh, I, 
my parents got divorced when I was young. Um, I never lived with my dad growing up. Um, my, uh, my mom's been married and divorced four or five times. Um, I kind of was raised by my mom, my grandma, my two aunts, I have like six girl cousins. I'm the oldest of all of them. It's like my life kind of like summer here, summer there, hang out here, live with my grandma. Like mm-hmm. my whole life was kind of like surrounded by women always. Um, and I definitely had like an uncle and uh, a grandpa and, and definitely were some male figures in my life. But even then they, they definitely weren't the, the typical, if you, if we want to categorize, right, we're going to put a, put a label on like the typical like male version of like a dad or a grandpa or tough, you know, like they, they were, they were kind of like the rest of our family. So I think I've always had this spot where my lens in which I viewed the world was always probably typically viewed um, in, a, in a generalization was like oh, with a feminine lens. Right. Like it was, I was this kind of the, I remember even third grade, like I was trying out for the baseball team and like I got told you're not very good. Cause you throw like a girl. And my mom was like, I know he throws like a girl. Cause I taught him how to throw and I'm a girl. So like, why are you <laughs> mad? You know, like, but even, even like that phrase alone, but in that moment when you're seven or eight was like, Oh, I'm insufficient. Mm. Like I'm not, I'm not who I'm supposed to be because I'm like something that I, that's that you say is not good or not right. And so I think when that gets paired with, what I believe is like a really small window that men um, allowed themselves to see that made them fruitful, that made them uh, beneficial, that made them successful, that made them valuable was to provide and to protect. And, and then and to be a better provider and to, a, to be a better protector means that you had to conquer more. And the more you could conquer, the more you could provide because you could go get it. And the more you could conquer, the more you could protect because then you could defeat something and you would get to be the winner. And we can like, I think we can look at the course of history from as far back as you want to go. Uh, Empires have fallen and they have been raised by the ability to conquer because we as men said we're good. We want more. We need more. It's our duty to get more. And I think if it comes down to the root of it, it was probably at some point just started with protection and provision but perfection, and, but that, but that took a leap when we realized that more was better for whatever reason that was, because we wanted to be in power. Because if we could be in power, we could protect more and we could provide more. And then I think that took a switch as time has gone on, uh, as technology increases, as we have gotten a more modern in society and anywhere you look to see, uh, the need for protection and provision in that way has changed dramatically in the last hundred years. Where like I don't have to leave my office and know that I'm going to fist fight someone. Or, 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 or find an animal that's going to try to get my kids is not the case, but I still have this ingrained like level of protection. Like I want to do that. Right. And then this level of provision that's like, but I want to provide, I want to do it. And the world has told me that if I can get more, I'm better and I'm more valuable with more watches and more cars and more money and more vacations and more film. And then, so we've, then we've now we're doing is we're consistently narrowing the window of opportunity for protection and for provision. And we've, we've now have a new kind of conquering. It's the ability for me to say that you can't get me the ability to say that I will rise the ladder. Mm-hmm. I will step on anybody that I need to step on to get to the top of the ladder. Because if I get there, I am respected more. And I want to be respected because I used to get respected for providing and protecting, but that's not, an, I don't, nobody needs that from me anymore because we're civilized and kind of. Civilized. And so, <laughs> right. And so, and so because of that, where is my energy being put? And I think inevitably our energy gets put into things that are temporary. I think our energy gets put into things where we get a very quick hit reward, but the reward is still for conquering. And to throw the, now to throw the, the counter word that the reward in our society has not yet been given for cultivating. Mm. That cultivating makes you weak. 
Yeah. And well, and it's, that's considered feminine. Right. And what's really interesting to me is that the conversations I've had like this have been where, where men are stepping up and trying to move into this world where they're helping other men and boys and, and actually have language have been by men who've primarily been raised by women, mm-hmm. which I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, Cause that, it seems like you have the words and you have the more, you're more in touch with your ability to feel and to express that, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that I just took straight from this conversation. The other thing that I think is really interesting is that um, I like I like the, the question around cultivation because I think in a civilized world, that idea that we have to conquer, a man has to conquer, he has to provide, it's very primal to some extent and, and masculine, right? Where the feminine is considered the nurturer or the cultivator mm-hmm. or the person who brings together relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think something is so lost that we haven't given, we, we've almost, um, through our own languaging and the way that we've talked to men and boys, we've created this, right? For sure. And it's, it's them looking at the other men in their life and that, that example and that modeling. And, and one of the questions I have too is, does a boy need to see a man in order to, 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 to model that behavior effectively and efficiently, can this, can this conversation, can this sharing of, of ideas that a man can also be a cultivator, that he doesn't need cars and women and money and things to be powerful within his own family and within his own self, can that be taught by a woman who's raising a boy? Does it have to be modeled by a man? Does a man, does a boy need a male mentor in order to get this? So I, I don't know that I am bold enough to say that um, we need it as though there's an insufficiency in my mom or aunt or grandma to provide what I needed for me to be a healthy individual who had the ability to love others and stand firm in who I was. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Do I believe there is a level of growth opportunity and deeper connection to maybe something innate in me? that would have and could have been achieved if there had been that? Absolutely. Hmm. Do I see even in my own family things that I know my children get from me that they don't get from their mom? Yeah. And are there an immense amount of things they get from their mom that they're not going to get from me? Yes. Yeah. And I think that, I think that it goes deeper than just personality. I think it goes into the fact of the, our roles, what it looks like, and by default, how we are wired, right? And again, we, it's, it's, and it's, sometimes it can, feel, it can feel confusing, I think, because we want to make an argument that is, like, that, is, that, is, that is singular and we go, this is it. And if you look like and think like this, and that is the answer, as opposed to allowing both to exist at the same time, right? So like sweeping generalizations, dad says, jump off the, jump off the fence. It's fine. Mom yeah. says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Be careful. What are you going to do, right? And that's sweeping generalizations. That's not every dad and every mom. And that's mm-hmm. not every scenario that a kid wants to do something crazy that a dad is going to say, ah, oh, if he breaks his leg, it's fine. And the mom's like, I never wanted to hurt anyone in his body. Yeah. But, but I think we have to make those kind of sweeping statements to give some at least context to clarity to figure out where on the this, on this spectrum we fall so that we have an idea to know what is, what is my default. And therefore, if we're going to create an opportunity for our kids and our boys to see a more whole picture... I can't just assume that my singular view is going to be the only thing that they need. For that matter, I think my kids need other men in their life that are not me. 
They need other men in their life that are the, have the ability to see, because, because I'm going to give a skewed view. I'm going to give a skewed view of what it is. I'm going to give a skewed view of what my view of manhood and masculinity and experience and all those, it's only going to be limited to, well, let's take a step backward, even for men who are listening, or um, if you know a man who who might want to listen, I think even all that's only going to be limited to my ability to do the work, to see, know, and understand who I am, period then only is the reflection of that and my ability to understand that going to be able to be, but even potentially absorbed by my family or my children or other men or boys or men that I lead in a coaching group or my son who is at home, who is five or in any of those spaces. And so, you know, I think we, we, we have to be able to make some generalized statements about the patterns that we see to be true uh, and be willing to know that that's not the pinpoint final answer that if you don't do that, it's going to be wrong but at least it's, it's a, there's been something, and I'm glad we're doing this today and we didn't do it a week ago or two weeks ago because I've had this thought lately and it didn't really tie it into this until just now. So I'm thinking and uh, understanding at the same time while we're I talking. love it when so, that happens. Like you realize uh, something in the moment. Yeah, but I think what we're talking about here is, is going, okay, well, this is what men are supposed to be. And we create this like singular, finite, like pinpoint exact location and go, if you can go to that place and do that, then you win. And if you can't get to that place and somehow you've lost, when I think the idea of, femininity or masculinity and how much of that each of us carry and what that means and what it looks like, I think is more directional than it is singular point. And like, I know the direction is that I don't like, I do, I like going to a baseball game in person with really, really good seats that I didn't pay for uh, with free drinks and food beforehand because of the experience of my friends. Yes. Do I really (laughs) care about the game of baseball? No, but is the experience great? I'm into it. Also, uh, don't couldn't tell you the last time a sporting event was on a TV in our home ever that I've been in the 11 years we've been married, other than if it was like a party that was the Super Bowl, or for some reason we had to tie to a game that really neither of us cared about. We just want to be able to talk about the next day, right? Like, so does that mean I'm not manly? Does that mean that I, because I don't, I don't, I don't like sports balls, you know, like what is that? Or do I just know that because of that, you know what I probably need? I probably need to make sure there are men in my life who do like that and who do appreciate that. And I also want them to hang out with my son too, because maybe, maybe my son, maybe he loves baseball. Maybe he's into football. Maybe I got to learn to watch ESPN because he's going to like it, but he may not ever get introduced to it if there's not other influences. So where we're going. And I think for, for men, as we train and teach and coach other men, uh, the boys in our life. And as we kind of create these moments of, um, rites of passage, if you will. That's probably something else we could get into because I think we've kind of lost that in general as a society, but I think as, as or specifically as men, uh, I think as we move into those places, again, it comes back to, I have to be aware of me. I have to know what that's like in the direction that I by default am going to head. And if I want my son or men in my life to experience other aspects other than just my narrow window, one, I have to invite those men to come in and be a part of that with me. Two, I think you have to ask explicitly. You have to say, I want you to be a part of my life or my son's life, if that's going to be the case. Um, Because if not, we're all going to sit back and just assume we have it all together. We don't need anything because that means we won, right? When When you don't have to ask for help, didn't you win? When you can do it by yourself, didn't you win? When you could chalk it up as a lone wolf who survived the wilderness, didn't you win? But isn't well, that also you like yourself a story? Like you it, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, isn't that counter to like what most of us would say we really want? Mm-hmm. You really, you really, really, you want to spend your life in the literal or metaphorical wilderness alone, trying to survive, so that when you're by yourself at night, you can say, "Self, I did it." 
Not only is Live Like a Life Coach in your pocket, but we have coaches in 3D as well. With our most recent upgrade, you can sign up for one-on-one coaching with a person on the phone who will hold you down, hold you accountable, and offer you perspective as you build your big, bad, beautiful new life. Apple users can sign up for our Premium Plus plan through the app or check out our next level and mastery options at loveisviral.com forward slash coaching. Android users, we haven't forgotten about you. Live Coaching is available to you as well. Just reach out to us at dearlive at loveisviral.com and we'll fill you in on all the ways Live can create with you. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. Right. I, well, I love this whole, I love the concept. And you said something that really like, I was like, yes, um, like as you're talking, because I do believe that we have to stop believing that there's one way or the other, that we have to hold space for all things to be true, right? That you can have 15 people in a room that all have different opinions about how we got here and where we're going. And at some point in time, there's some type of commonality, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what it is. And I've always found that really fascinating, but I love this idea of inviting other people into not only your life, but your child's life to enhance their experience so that they're going to have other influences and other ways of viewing the world, recognizing, and I think this is the big thing that I just like, that just hit me that you are willing to accept that your way may not be the right way, Mm -hmm. right? Like that takes, that takes some self-awareness that takes, um, because I think there's there's this kind of expectation, especially for a child. My my, for a while, my dad is always right. My mom is always right until they and then they're like they're so dumb, and then eventually <laughs> they think you're you're smart again. Um, but I think it's also kind of letting go of the idea that you have to be correct all of the time, and you have to be. Um, that actually, t- I'm taking something away because like, I think of myself as my daughter's concierge, her life concierge, I'm guiding her. Right. And I'm explaining experiences and I'm explaining situations, but it's, it's also making me realize like we need to have other women in our life and other men in her life so that she can have a more robust kind of opportunity to see the world. Like it's giving her agency mm-hmm. over her experience, her life mm-hmm. experience. And mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one thing there's a there's a there's a book, and I think you and I talked about it when we chatted before. But there's a book called The Boy Crisis, B O Y, The Boy Crisis, uh, and it's uh, I, I love it. I talk about it all the time, and I think it just brought so much context. I think especially for me, I'm, I'm 37, and um, you know I have two small kids, and my father is still alive, and so I, I I think I read the book. It's really unique, especially if you're in same generation or time frame or life stage, regardless of where, as same as me, because I both read it as the father of my children, but I also was able to read it as the son of a father, which like, a, this is, I have like a small window where that's going to be the case. Right. But I think when I was reading that, there's a phrase in there, this, that this, the two, two few, few things that stuck with me, but one of the things that stuck with me said um, that in order for men to let their feelings out, they, in order for men to let their feelings out, they have to hang out. Hmm. And like where, where like by, def- again, we're making sweeping generalizations. Sure. Most of the time women can get together and in a much shorter amount of time, get to exactly what they want to say, how they feel and what they want to talk about, because isn't that why we're here? Like, isn't that why we showed up? Shouldn't we be doing that? And men don't. Like we, uh, a year ago, we led a retreat for 20 men, four days, three nights. Um, and I would say like I have a knack for getting people, especially men, to get there faster than normal. Mm-hmm. But it still took us probably like 18 hours mm-hmm. to get to like 
and it was just us, like literally just 20 of us at a retreat center, did nothing but just hang out together. And it wasn't until about, we got there at 4 p.m. on Friday or on Thursday. And it wasn't until about 1 p.m. on Friday that I like see the switch start to change in the men in the room to be like, okay, screw it. Listen, here's where I'm at. Here's what's happening <laughs> in my life. You know? Like, right. Because I think it requires, but, but because we have this simultaneous lone wolf, do it by myself, and then now show you on technology and social media why I'm great or not be on social media because I don't want to have to probably prove my affirmation to you, whichever category you land on, of going, when, when are the opportunities that men have stopped attempting to perform in a way to conquer, to provide, or to perfect long enough to have a dialogue and to actually let their feelings out? But we don't stop long enough to sit and have a dialogue about who we are or what that means because we already feel like we are inadequate. So why would I want to sit and have a conversation about more reasons I think I'm inadequate? So I just don't talk about any of it. I just pinned it all up. And the next phrase that comes after that is, and then when boys hurt, they hurt us. And so one, we have no experiences. And I think even culturally, we've lost moments of rites of passage for our boys to attempt to become men or to show what that is like. Because even as men, the ones who should be doing that for our boys, we don't stop long enough to do that for ourselves. So by the time our kid is 12, 13, 14, 17, 18, 22, whatever age we want to say, there's a rites of passage for boys to walk in, to begin to walk into manhood. Men are 42, 45, 50, 52. Mm-hmm. We've spent 20 years trying to do it in a way we thought was right, even though we didn't really believe him, but we had no choice because we built a life we didn't really want to begin with in the first place. Yeah. And so, and we're not stopping to have a dialogue with our friends, if we have them, really, like real friends that we're talking about, life, marriage, insecurity, fear, doubt, obstacle. So where is the, then we're going to also create a space to do that with our boys? No, we don't even know. We don't even do that for ourselves. Right. What do you, when you have these retreats with men, what would what would we be surprised to hear? Like what what's the what's the kind of overarching theme when they do kind of start to come to the table and they do start to talk mm-hmm. about what they're what they're dealing with? Mm-hmm. I am tired. I'm exhausted. I feel like I've been pretending my whole life, mm-hmm. and the outside world says that things look really good and successful but internally, am I in fact a fraud? And if actually someone knew me, would they really love me? Would they really care about me? Does my wife love me? Does my partner love me? Do my kids love me? Does my job really want me to be here? I had a conversation, you know, these are things I feel like I I hear folks say, especially men, right? These are the conversations when they're willing to allow themselves. It's one thing that's fascinating about we, we, with Wiser Sons, you referenced that. It's a group, community, business, not whatever you want to call it. It's a group, it's a group for guys. Uh, But we, we host an event every other Wednesday on Zoom. Uh, obviously right now because it's we're in virtual but uh called why and rye so why like why did you show up in rye like rye whiskey and the whole premise is anybody can show up who they want whoever wants to show up uh and there's only two questions uh, there's only one question for the night and that is why'd you show up tonight uh and the hope is you have a glass of rye whiskey while we do it um and so uh in that a hundred percent of the time i mean i can't i can't even i can't i can't recall the moment where i was like oh well that sucked uh 100 of the time within the first one to two people who go there's typically anywhere between eight and 20 men who show up on those these calls that, that they're different and i've never i don't even i don't know them they just found it the social media somehow friend told them whatever between the first and second person that calls or that that when we say why are you here it's like the floodgates open mm. immediately 
I feel like I've built a life that I don't really believe in, but I don't know how to get out of it. And it feels too big. And I don't want to admit that I want to change because that might mean that I'm wrong. What do I do? I feel trapped. I feel right. Like these conversations. And, and I think a part of it is very little of it has to do with me. And I think the majority of it has to do with that. We're just willing to create a space and ask you to show up. And then once you get there, I'm just really explicit about why we're here. If you're going to try to sell us something or pitch something or talk about why you're great, you've called in on the wrong link. This is not a link. This is not (laughs) right. (laughs) And so I think you know, in those moments, what I've found is when I hear that I, I was speaking at an event, I don't know, this was a year and a half ago or so. And I, this, I promise it'll come full circle back to your question about what are some of the things that are on the table. But I, uh, we'd spoken that day, spoken a couple of times and I was staying there the night, um, when this group, they were having like their get together that night and they invited me to come. So I go and have a drink and eating dinner and I sit on this little table and a guy who I'd seen before and talked to came and asked, Hey, you know, mind if I sit here? I said, no, come on. I'd love to sit there. I'd love to chat with you. And he's 60, 60 year old guy. Um, he was a CTO of this, uh, property management company. So a company of about 5,000, he's their chief technology officer and been in technology for a long time. So I mean, he's a, by all intents purposes, like a successful guy. Yeah, doing good, you know? Yeah. And he sits down and so we're talking about random things. He asked about our kids and my those grandkids. And so I just say, you know, I said, I'm 37, you're 60. I said, what is, you know, what is something you think that I miss or I'm not going to see or that I don't, I don't know. Like, I just would love to know, you know, kind of where you're at. And he looked at me and he said, just make sure you pay attention. And I was like, okay, tell, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And he said, make sure you pay attention, not just to what people think about you, but to where you have the opportunity to engage with other people. He said, because for me, I'm 60, I'm successful. I'm the CTO of this business. And he said, for the last five to seven years, I've been invisible. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, nobody needs me. Nobody needs me because my kids are grown and they don't really need me. And, you know, I'm married and like, I don't really know if my wife needs me and we make money. And so what do we really need? And I do my job, but like I have people who really are doing the job so that, and he was like, honestly, I just feel like I've become invisible. And because of that, I think I've never really put in the work. I don't really know who I am either. Wow. Right. And this is like, we're like That's having like uh, beef, beef sliders and a, <laughs> and a, a not, not very good old fashioned at a corporate speaking event, you know? So it's like, if that can occur, like that, that shows me. And I think affirms and confirms both in the deep desire that men have to want to be seen and to want to be known, but until there are enough spaces and opportunities, and I by no stretch of the imagination, even begin to think that it's on my shoulder, somehow I'm going to rectify this thing by myself. But I think if it, it requires there being more than just one person, namely a man, who is willing to hold space and say, I'm not asking you to be here because I have the answers and I want you to pay me because I'm going to fix you. I'm just going to hold the space because I believe there's opportunity for us to grow together. Mm-hmm. And I just know I can't do it by myself. And I think there's a level of that in which men are willing to go, okay, well, if, if you're willing to say you can't do it by yourself and from what I can tell, doesn't look like anyone in the room looks, look, is looking at you like you're crazy, maybe I'll go next and say, I don't think I do it by myself either. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be that. I think it's going to be that. It's going to require human to human, face to face, open dialogue interaction to make that happen because every place else was pitching images or versions of men are not doing us any favors. I, Oh, like that's so true because there's so many of these kind of like super masculinized kind of, uh, gurus, right. Who are like, you can feel the toxic masculinity coming out of it. 
and it's like, you be a man, you got to da 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 and I'm going to teach you the warrior way or whatever. And it just kind of propagates this myth that you have to kind of beat your chest and go out. And that's not to take away the masculine experience because men, from what I understand from talking to other um, different historians about rites of passage and talking to other men who are working in this space, there's definitely a physicality to men, right? There's definitely yes. something there has, there's a power that has to be seen, felt and expressed. Um, it's what words we've given to that and what words we've given to the experience and the way we want them to show up and to be that you've got a 60 year old man saying my, who I am and the life I've led have not aligned Right. Mm. For someone saying, like, I have a life, but I don't even know if my wife loves me because I make her money. So in her mind, the counter to this is women grew up believing that we needed security and we needed a man. And we've been pit against each other to compete for the man. Right. And now that's kind of being blown up. So you've got women who are in competition with each other because you want the man who's the best provider and will give you the best looking and healthiest children and this has been beat into our heads by a certain age, and he's doing his part to make sure he looks that way. Um, but then do you actually ever come together as like soulful human beings having a life experience? And how long does it take you to get to that spot, right? If you're just continuing to feed these stories that we've been told. I love the idea that it's going to take a lot of conversation. And I definitely want to share the link to your why and risky or why and rye. Now I have whiskey on my mind. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a whiskey drinker too. It's fine. You can call it that too. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I love that. But here's, here's the question. Does that, like, how are the men leaving that and having different conversations with their sons? Like, how are you and your wife showing up for your son in a way that you are making sure he doesn't have the same type of conversations when he's 60? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, so one, I think it is, uh, from our, from in our household. So take a step back. One, it is the recognition of, um, uniqueness, the recognition of, um, uh, parts of, uh, individuality that I carry and that my wife carries and that those things are not only wildly unique, but they are also wildly equal. And that there is not a mom does this, but dad does this and dad does that because mom can't or vice versa. Uh, it is, there are things that we do because we like and we enjoy and they're a part of who we are and your experience with us in those is because um, that's a representation of who we are as individuals. I think the second place in that is showing our kids that, um, and again, it's really hard work to like that uh, our, our marriage is, uh, I'm married to your mom, I'm not married to you. Um, and like me and mom are going to go, I know you don't want us to leave and you don't want us to go on a date on Tuesdays. This was pre COVID. Cause now, you know, dates are like after your kids go to bed and it's not talking about to want to go to sleep. Uh, but like, you know, like, I know you don't want us to leave, but we're going to go because it's important for you to see us leave together without you. And it's also important for us to go without you, regardless of what you see, you know, like, so I think like it starts with us individuals, a level of uniqueness and equality that we both see and value and want to encourage and challenge each other in and support each other. I think it's showing our kids for us, at least because we're married, like what that looks like and how we want that to be seen and represented. And then I think the second part of that is like having 
conversations, being as honest and open with our kids about the reality of what's going on in the world, even at four, you can talk about racism and you can talk about things that are happening and you can talk about how you feel and you can talk about, uh, and so I think all of those um, are, are different ways and opportunities for our kids, specifically our son, to be able to see and witness and recognize um, where he has opportunity to leverage and to engage in ways that maybe I didn't. And then I would say specifically me, I would say things that I feel like are the most impactful uh, are one, um, I, had, I had a friend tell me this and his son is probably five years older than ours. And so I kind of watched it for the first five years, but he told me his son, uh, he said, whenever his son was like three or four, he asked him to go outside one day and he was like, I don't know, it's hot. I don't like, we'll go outside later. And he was like, after that moment, I had this realization that anytime my son asked me to go outside from now on, my answer is only going to be yes. Because there's something about that experience that I want him to know that I will go with you. I will be, it can be hot. It can be whatever. Like if you want to do that, we can do that because there's something about our ability to connect that he found out there that he couldn't do inside. Right. And even still, like for my birthday, um, my son who's four told my wife, um, I know what dad wants for his birthday. You know, and she's like, okay, great. What is it? And he was like, he needs to have a scooter like mine. He really wants a scooter so that he can ride a scooter with me, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, sure, the last thing I want to do is ride a scooter. I'm going to fall because I'm going to hurt myself. I'm too old. But like we go when we go ride scooters together, like we're five scooter strokes in, you know? And he's like, dad, high five. You know, he wants to high five while we're riding. And then I feel like I can ask him a lot of things that he'll talk about when we're riding scooters that he won't when we're playing Legos. We're still hanging out. We're still being intentional at home but it's different, right? So like, I think recognizing those things in him and then also recognize how free it is for me. Like, I love doing Legos. I love coloring with him. I like a bunch of things I didn't think I was gonna like because I think it's actually like allowing me to tap into parts of that I missed when I was young that I get to experience that freedom with him. But then by me experiencing it with him, we get to have a dialogue about it and talk about while it's fun and those, I think those same types of things. The uh, the last thing I will say is, it is the hardest thing because I have to admit that in fact I was out of control and I was not correct, but uh, apologizing to my children and then asking for forgiveness from my kids, I think is probably the part that is at times the most difficult and simultaneously, I think the most healing and the most beneficial specifically if, because of our conversation, thinking about my son um, in those moments, there's, I found that when I'm really frustrated, he's frustrated and he's upset and sad. And I want to like, fly off the handle. Um, there are moments where I can, you know, I'm like, I'll go in his room, I'll tell him to come in there. You know, I don't want to, I'm like, as you know, come in here. No, I'm like, okay. So he'll finally <laughs> come in there. And I said, I want you to, you know, I want you to put your hands on my face. No, no, I want you to put your hands on my face. I don't want to. And then I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't have hair. And so like, he thinks it's funny and diffuse the situation. He'll just come put his hands on top of my head. Cause he, you know, it's the way he might move a little bit. <laughs> but it is, it is immensely profound to me the physical and emotional change that occurs in him and in I and in me when he puts his hands on my face or on my head and we're that close to each other and we're looking at each other's face. Mm -hmm. Both of us calm down and both of us don't want to yell and both of us don't want to be upset and both of us are willing to talk and listen to each other. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so I think there is some that 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 example, both literally and metaphorically, just resonates so deeply with me because I think there are so many. And, and I, when I say so many, I'm putting myself in this category. I think there are so many of us as men who are waiting, whether we are four, whether we are 24, or we are 40, who are waiting for the moment that there's going to be another man who is going to come and be in close enough proximity physically to us that they can and will physically touch us to put our heart and our soul at ease that give us the opportunity to recognize that we are not alone, that we are not isolated. And there is, is in fact someone who wants to, desires to, and is willing to walk the same journey with me in the context of community and as a partner in that to how do we fight against this thing and move in this way together. But I really do believe um, as, as beneficial as things like why and Rye can be on a Zoom call, I, that's, that's not going to do it. Like it's a great catalyst. It's a great start. But we're going to have to find a way to be close enough together in proximity that I can reach across and I can put my hand on your shoulder or on your back or on your face if needed and allow you to recognize that you are not living in a world of isolation by yourself where it is your job to conquer as much as you can so you can prove that that is is your bounty to say this is how great of a man I am. Mm. When in fact, I think when we have the opportunity to see the complexity, the uniqueness of men around us, I actually think we get a better picture of what humanity really looks like. I think that it is so powerful because first of all, I think one of the things, like when you're, when you're small, one of the things you want so much more than anything is connection, right? And I had a complicated relationship with my mother and she was not an affectionate woman. And I even see myself reparenting myself when I'm connecting with my daughter, not afraid to apologize to her for my behavior, willing to be um, vulnerable and tell her, like, I made a mistake. I should have done this. Um, I recognize and I'll do better next time. And and watching her then carry that same ability to be vulnerable, admit mistakes and show compassion with her little brother who drives her crazy, who's three, you know what I mean? And, and, and recognizing the humanity in the other, I think is so powerful. I hope soon there is that day and that there are men that come to the table who want to experience that type of connection. Because I think more than anything, and you and I talked about this before, you said you'd speak at events and primarily the women who came to, the people that came to you to be coached were typically women. And then as you started to talk about this, you had more men coming up to you. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're, you're hitting something, the soul of the matter is that in that moment, they're being seen by you, probably for the first time in a long time. Right. And right. I think that's another piece of feedback I received from another person I was talking to when they're working with men and they said, these men want to be seen for who they truly are. And, and I'm curious, when you talk about rites of passage, like how would you envision that looking if we were able to create some kind of cultural rites of passage in the United States or globally that didn't look like money cars women. Yeah, I think it would look like exactly like what you just said. It would look like opportunities to communicate to boys and young men that they are seen, Mm -hmm. uh, that they are valuable, that their worth is not predicated on their ability to perform, um, that their desire, they were made and they're created for cultivation and not for conquering. And that in the midst of falling down and making mistakes, there will be a group of men to rally around them, to care for them, support them. And the expectation is that you are going to fail, but your failure is not a marker of your lack of value. Your mm-hmm. failure is a marker of the fact that there is a community of people who will walk with you to allow you to continue to pursue a direction, not a pinpoint, but a direction like we talked about, uh, of something that you desire. Um, but I think a, the, a, a big part of it for men and therefore for boys is that we are illiterate. 
Like we're illiterate to the language about who we are because we just have these external markers. Again, women, cars, money, and watches. We have this, we have this, we're speaking the wrong language. We don't, we literally don't have the words to say, how do you feel? I don't know. What are your emotions? I don't know. Who are you? Um, And then we, what do we do? Hey, uh, I'm Rocky. Hey, I'm Bill. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What is the next question out of our mouth? What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Why? Because we've already created, there's a single marker by which I have value. And if I tell you something great, you, because all of us are guilty of it. We make a snap judgment in that moment, especially men to see whether you are or not valuable to me. Meaning, am I, meaning like, am I impressed by you or can I sell you something? Holy, I didn't even like, that's like, so like, like straight to the point. I come from the world of finance, right? So if you've ever seen Boiler Room or any, like, that's my world, right? And so I was surrounded by men who like they do the peacocking where they got to show you their watch or they got to have their cufflinks or they've got to, you know, the shiny suits and the tailors that come into the office and they all are like, oh, well, I'm doing the triple whatever wool mm-hmm. something that however many count. And you're like rolling your eyes. And, you know, there was one in particular that I, I would see him at the gym. Whenever I would see him, I would be like, how's it going? Good. I just bought a G-Wagon, just got a new house, spent 1.1, did this, did that. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, who was, who was in there? But exactly what you said is, I mean, there's that, are you valuable to me? Because we've been taught how to compete, to provide, to be, who, who has the, the most stuff? Right. Yep. As opposed to whose soul is the is, most full. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so powerful. I think I, I, I hope over time with enough dialogue that more people come to the idea that all things can exist at the same time and be correct, mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be one way or the another. It doesn't have to be me too or men or it doesn't have to be you know, black lives are all lives. It doesn't have to be right or left. It can, we, we are human beings all looking for connection, direction, mm-hmm. and yeah. community. And I love that whole, it takes a village. I really do. I believe that it takes yeah. a village. You know, I, uh, one thing we say a lot is, I think in, in the last 10 or so years, I found, you know, and there are, there are obviously a million, but I, for the sake of what I do, kind of boil it down. Like there's three things that every human being wants. And I think right now we are experiencing the weight of these three things that men have lacked for so long that women, because they're awesome, have done the work and are doing the work to identify this in themselves that men have yet, we've yet to see. I think every, everybody wants three things. One, we want to know we're unique. We want to know there is something about us that is unlike anybody else in the world, big or small, magical or not. There, We want to know there is something about me that's unique because that leads to uh, identity, that leads to value, that leads to, right? Like the, it, it's, it's, it's a, there's, I think there's a level of security to go, okay, I am me, right? The second is, I think we all want to be affirmed in our uniqueness and we want to know other people and think that it's good. Like we want to, and I would refer to that as connection, right? We want to know that what makes me, me, other people look at and go, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Because that allows our singular identity of self to be affirmed and accepted and included in the context of the community, i.e. the village. Hey, we see you, you're you, and it's good. You should come with us. Yeah. And then the third thing is, I think we want to know and trust that we can use our uniqueness for good and the way that we care and serve other people. And regardless of what industry that is, we want to know we are unique. We want to know that our uniqueness is seen as good and valuable by the greater whole. And we want to believe we can use that thing in us moving forward and use it in a way that's impactful in somebody else's life. Mm, 
I love that. Well, and I, I think, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go, you go. I, I think that that's, well, I, I listen to my daughter all the time and she wants to be unique and different than other people. Like it, it comes from a very young age that we want to know that we're special and that we're seen. And I think it's an innate thing in us, a human thing in us, because our uniqueness and what sets us apart is what makes us a valuable part of the community mm-hmm. at, at a core level. Why? Because your uniqueness is good and we don't have that here. And for us to thrive, we need you here, which means you can use your uniqueness for good. We all, like, what's my, every, like our two-year-old, like time for dinner, she comes over, she wants the forks. It's her job to put the forks out, right? And she freaks out now. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, new, it's a new revelation in our home, but like somebody <laughs> else put the forks out. She wants to put the forks out, you know? And where people sit and how are they going to sit there? And like, who works on what day? Mom works on this day, dad works on this day. And Ezra, who's almost five, whoever works that day gets to sit by him because he wants to sit by them at dinner because you work that day. Like Aww. little, little th- right? Because again, little moments that are just a checkpoint. Am, do I matter? Can I do something? Does it exist? What does that mean? And I think it's so easy to talk about it in a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, eight-year-old because we're like, yeah, they're young. They're figuring it out, yada, yada, yada. Uh, in the last two days, uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are kind of big coaching days <clears throat> for me. And so uh, we've done three group coaching sessions and then I've done like six or seven one-on-one sessions in the last couple of days. Um, and two of those groups are women. One of those groups are men. Um, after both groups of women, uh, sessions were great. But uh, none of them, like, mess- we use Slack to talk to each other. None of them message me, like, hey, thanks again for today, or like, hey, so-and-so, appreciate that, whatever. Um, I had the men's call at 10 o'clock today. So 10 Central, it's 12.45 Central now. Uh, every single man, six of them, every single one of them who was in that call has gone into Slack to the group and said, thank you guys for today, or message one of the other guys in the group to connect with them because they said something that was really impactful for them, and they want to chat with them more. I love that. So like if that is not a representation and a picture of a longing and desire that currently exists, I don't, I don't know how better to give proof than go, just look at the chat feed. Right. The, uh, and, I've, and, I, and, and on top of that, I've gotten two text messages from two different guys who are in that group just saying thanks. Yeah. They, so they like, long for that. They long for yes. that connection. I yes. love that. I love what you said. And I want to, my, my final question it has to do with kind of what you said about like our uniqueness and bringing it to the world and to the village. And, you know, the whole premise of this platform is the idea um, that love is viral, that if you love yourself and you work on yourself, your influence is felt by other. And there is a ripple effect generationally, culturally, socially, whatever. So my question to you is what would you tell someone to make love go viral or how are you doing it in order to, to affect change? Yeah. Um, so I think you did a really great job of saying it. I think number one, you have to, you have to be willing to put on the work to know yourself and love yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, my, uh, my wife always uh, reminds me because I'm not great at this. Uh, and she, uh, sees it in me and wants it for me. And she always says, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, and as saying that using that analogy of a cup, I was talking to someone yesterday, you know, you have those moments where you say something and you're like, I should write that down. Cause I feel like I never <laughs> said that, but maybe that was for me. You know, like I said it to you, but I'm pretty sure it was for me. Um, but I just, I just, I would had the thought that was like, if, if I am not full, then I cannot fulfill anything for anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a, it's a different play on the same idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. But I think in that, uh, I think to love others, to make love go viral, I think you, ha- you have to do the work to know yourself and to love yourself and to look in the mirror and believe what you see is good. Yeah. And then you have to believe that, that that part of you can be used, should be, can be. Uh, an, an opportunity is always existing to uh, share that with somebody else. You know, like there's a, 
friend of mine posted something a few weeks ago, but it was like, you know, she was like, I feel like I'm learning to make the transition from having a desire to want to influence the world, to want to, to influence the world on the surface, to influencing just a few people really deeply, because I think that's actually more in line with how we were made as individuals. But I think that's a part of like, uh, things that go viral are because they, they strike a deep chord with a mass amount of people. That's, that's what it is. It's not a, it's a, it's something about that strikes a very deep commonality between all of us and therefore we all want to participate because it's something in that is revealing to ourselves right and so i think if we're going to care for people and love people in that same way we have to have one the thing in us but two when it goes outward when it goes viral like we have to know that there's a part of it that is seen known understood and desired by everybody and if we can tap into that and strike that chord all of a sudden like it elicits a response that we can't stop we 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 have to have we we want to have we like remember sitting down with a friend of mine a year and a half ago, I was 36. He was 36. I said, I'm going to go have lunch with this guy, but I'm nervous. And um, we were already friends, but I basically the whole reasons I was wanted to, I wanted to know if he would be my best, one of my best friends, but I didn't know how to do that other than asking him. So we went and had tacos. We had margaritas at a really great place. We had about 10 minutes left before lunch. I still hadn't asked him. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm 36. Why can't I just say this? And finally I was like, Hey, this is gonna be, this feels really awkward. So I'm sorry. I'm going to, of course I gave a 90 disclaimers, which I tell the number one thing, don't give disclaimers. Right. It's my like, tell everybody when we do a session together. And I said, I just want to know if you'll be one of my best friends. I said, I like you. I appreciate you. I think I value your opinion. I think we are similar. We are a similar life stage. I just need somebody in my life that I can, I want to meet with regularly and have a dialogue with and that no pretense or neither of us have it figured out, but can we just try to figure it out together? And it was like, he looked me right in the face. and He was like, absolutely. I would love that. I would love that. And it's the same person that three months later helped me kick off Wiser Sons. I love it. Oh, see, it was meant to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. And those those experiences are beautiful. And I love what you just said about no disclaimers. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that with me because I think we have a tendency to wanna qualify mm-hmm. before yeah, because it's we, safer. Yeah, before we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And I wanna thank you for being vulnerable with me today and for what you're doing. We're definitely gonna share the link. Um, I think that it's very important work and I just really appreciate who you're who you are, what you're doing, and the kiddos that you're raising. I know that you're you're all heart. So yeah, thank well, thank you. you very much. I appreciate Thank you so much for your time and for asking questions and for having the conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining today. I love Rocky's advice to be willing to put in the work to know and love yourself. And when you look in the mirror, believe what you see is good. You can find Rocky online at rockygarza.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Rocky Garza. If you're interested in the Wiser Sons website, it is wisersons.com. The Instagram page is also wisersons. And the Zoom link is embedded in the show notes if you are a man who's interested in Wiser Sons. The calls take place every two weeks on Wednesday nights at 8.30 CST. Any men who want to get more information or to connect with Rocky can text Wiser Sons to 469-649-8441. As always, please subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. We are always interested in content that uplifts. So if you have ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at dearlive at loveisviral.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loveisviral.media or visit our website at loveisviral.com. Apple users, don't forget to give the Live Pocket Coach a try by downloading it for free for seven days. 